Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall. The place hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. You heard the intro. I'm Sully, joined today by Drew. It is Sunday, January 16th. We're recording after a joyous Dayton Flyers win on Saturday. Flyers big winner against Duquesne, 72-52. to Drew, that was a fun one to watch. Let's be honest here. It was. I think it was the most complete 40 minutes that we've played collectively since Orlando. I think that's not too far of a stretch. I thought I was very, very impressed with how Dayton showed up and played yesterday. Yeah, and I had people that um, on Twitter specifically that were very quick to point out, well, what about the Kansas game? Was that our best effort? And I was really quick to remind people right back that we didn't really play that well against Kansas. I mean, it was a monumental win for the program that in the grand scheme of things, you know, isn't going to mean a lot, but people kind of forget that yes, we did beat Kansas, but we turned the ball over 20 times. We shot five for 17 from three. Like when I think back to the Kansas game, I don't really think what a complete effort by UD. I think, wow, that fluke win was super awesome. Right. And you hit, you know, nail on the head to start the program. And that's where we're going to open up the show tonight is that this was the most complete 40 minute effort by the flyers. The wheels kind of came off for about two minutes in the first half. And as much as we like to point out AG's faults, man, he called a timeout, regrouped the troops, sent them back out, and then they just steamrolled Duquesne. And I think the best part about the win yesterday, again, recording on Sunday, is that Dayton was never threatened. They, I don't think they trailed, did they? Or maybe early on they trailed it, when they were only er, like only early, like within the first four minutes of the game was the only time they trailed. Yeah, but I mean the the last two Saturdays, George Washington and then Duquesne. I mean the result has never been in question. I mean they absolutely blew the doors off GW, who again we you know we've made our peace with them stinking. But Duquesne is pretty much a league average team, if I had to say. I mean, and the analytics are right around two hundred. Um, they'll probably be between like seven and 12 in the a 10. If I had to guess, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Duquesne is deplorable. I mean, they're not a great team, but when you win a conference game like that on the road where the result is never in question, there is plenty of things to be excited about. And I find myself today being very encouraged about how much improvement we've seen from this team, um, basically coming back from the Christmas break, right? They had two weeks off. They had the Rhode Island and Bonaventure games rescheduled. Uh, those are coming up back around Bonaventure on Tuesday. Rhode Island is going to be at the end of the month. And then that uh, that return date with Rhode Island, I believe, has not been rescheduled yet. Am I correct on that? I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. So we'll, we'll report back. Um, yep. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the schedule Monday, February 14th is when that away game against Rhode Island has been rescheduled. But I digress. We're talking about the Duquesne game on Saturday. And honestly, um, like you said, most complete effort and really like everything that needs to go well for the Flyers to win happened, right? They didn't turn the ball over that much. They were 10 turnovers. They won the rebounding battle. They were eight for 18 from three. They were 1.18 points per possession. And if you're not familiar with the stat, anytime you're over one, that's typically a good points per possession. 1.18 is stellar. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's great to just get back to winning ways because then we get to come on the podcast and have pleasant conversations. Um, and I was kind of quick to point out to people, yesterday was one of those days, Drew, where you sat back and you go, how the fuck did this team lose three home buy games? How did you know? 
I have to keep asking myself that. Well, this is a much different team now than that was, you know, how many minutes did Malachi Smith play in those three games? Yeah, exactly. The makeup of the team is very different. The makeup of the team now is entirely different from when we lost those three games. You know what? That's kind of the things you have to deal with when I'm not necessarily speaking on the youth playing, but when you have a young team, it's about finding the lineups and the rotation that works for your program, works for your squad. And I think Grant was still trying to navigate on, all right, who are the guys that I can rely on to be in the game in crunch time? And I think as we've moved forward, you have seen the clear and set roles develop. And I think ultimately, now that we're playing those lineups more consistently, that they're starting to gel a lot more. You're starting to see the familiarity of playing with each other now for three months, give or take really starting to show through, and especially with Malley and Holmes kind of being the genesis of everybody developing a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of talked about early in the season how we're not sure what the identity of the team is, right? We didn't know who our playmakers were. And the thing that I said on Twitter yesterday that I'm most encouraged by is that everybody's starting to settle into their roles and uniquely contribute to the output on offense. Now it took us a while to get here. And if you remember, think back Drew, to after the VCU game, Anthony Grant was very pointed with his comments and probably the most critical we've ever heard him saying that this team was way too concerned about their individual accolades. And you can probably guess who that was pointed towards. And it, it brings me to one of the most interesting things I'm going to keep an eye on moving forward is that yesterday Dayton blew out Duquesne by 20 points, right? And Elijah Weaver was 0 for 1 and he had no points. So I bring that up because it's going to be really interesting to monitor how he handles the role moving forward because I'm going to be as blatantly honest as I can on this cast. He's just not important to the things that the Flyers are doing on offense. And his role is now reduced to simply giving starters a breather. And I know that's not what we had in mind when the season started. And I'm sure that that's not what he had in mind going into this season. You know, we all thought you know, Elijah Weaver is going to be the point guard of Dayton. And so I, you know, I, I hate to, to be so critical, but that's the reality moving forward is like he, he doesn't really fit into what we're doing offensively. And I just can't see him being a huge threat on a night to night basis. Again, he might get hot one night score 10 to 15, whatever. But I think you see what I'm getting at. Like the Flyers put their most complete effort on the floor on Saturday and he wasn't part of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to note that. I feel like most of conference play, he hasn't really been all that effective. Uh, he grabbed six boards yesterday, so I guess you could say he was being active there. He was two of five from three. Uh, you know, Kobe Brea had the six boards. Don't misread the box score, sir. I'm trying to make a good point here on the podcast. No, you are. You are correct. You are correct. <laughs> Elijah Weaver is directly below him, and they both have 16 minutes played. And Kobe Brea's output was way better than Elijah Weaver's. Let's just let's just say that. Well, that's what I'm uh, saying, yeah. man. Like, I didn't want to like yeah, get an argument bad. about it. It's just like you know, and I don't you know want people to be like, why are you dumping the kid? I, I'm just trying to be realistic. Like, what we saw yesterday is that. Well, not what we saw yesterday, but what we're seeing now, right, Drew? And, and correct me here if I'm wrong on anything. Is that Malachi Smith is probably going to play like 30, what, 35 minutes every single night. Deron Holmes is going to play 30 to 35 minutes every single night. Kamara is probably the same way. If he's not in foul trouble, he's going to play the bulk of the minutes. And then you have Blakeney. Like those four guys are pretty much the core of the team. And we talked about it before we went on. We're kind of looking for like one more guy to step up and, and give some output. And all of a sudden, Kobe Elvis is Jimmer Fredette out there. I mean, the guy cannot miss. He's making step back fadeaways, making three pointers. He was four for four from deep yesterday, 16 points. I mean, this was the effort that we wanted to see from somebody else outside of the core because, frankly, it was necessary, right? Yeah, and I think Kobe Elvis, if he keeps going the way he's been going the past couple of games, he's going to maybe turn into the Dayton bucket getter when you need one. I'm saying, you know? I'm saying. It, like when the game gets tight and you just need someone who can create a shot on their own, you know, maybe Kobe Elvis can be that guy. I'm not saying he's that guy now. He's had a good stretch of games. He needs to keep stacking good performances. But if we can keep getting this out of Kobe Elvis, we can beat anybody. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, you know, I had a long discussion with some friends yesterday about 
where do we go from here, right? Like, we all know that the at-large discussion was dead and buried long ago. So, you know, we have to find other things to root for in the season. We have to have other things to monitor. And, you know, it. it, it I, I always say, like, I need stuff to kind of keep an eye on to keep the season interesting, right? And I think other people do, too. So really what we're looking at now is that the Staten team is definitely capable of winning the conference. And I'm keeping my eye, Drew, on the last game of the season. Davidson, who is now 4-0 in the conference, uh, another win yesterday, I believe, or Friday night. Friday night, they beat Richard. Friday night. Yeah. Um, Davidson's Barnburn, great game. I watched that game. It was, it was a great game. 87-84, uh, Davidson was a the winner. They're 14-2 now, up to 43 in Ken Palm, 17th best offense in the country. And I keep looking ahead to Saturday, March 5th, Davidson comes to UD Arena. So if you want something to get excited for, the Flyers keep winning. That could be a winner-take-all game for the conference, and that is getting me excited. I, I'm finally yes. starting to get back into the groove where I'm like, okay, this is the thing I'm excited for. Let's keep winning in conference play. And I think after yesterday, it's definitely realistic in Flyerland to take a step back and go, okay, maybe this team is capable of winning the conference, right? Yes, because, and I think what a, a lot has to do with it is that these two freshmen, Holmes and Smith, they just keep getting better and better and better every single game. Yep. You just think like with every passing game that goes by, whether they play really well or don't, they're going to learn and they're going to get better. That's the thing that I've just, Deron Holmes has just gotten progressively better every game I've watched him. Malachi is mostly the same way. And we're going to go as those two, as far as those two will take us. But it's yep. just good to know that these freshmen are in control. They officially have the keys to the car. It's their program. They're And they're showing it on the floor with their play, with their leadership. And I think it's about time everybody else kind of straps on their backs a little bit. And let's see what the hell we're made of. Yeah. And I, I remember uh, yesterday they actually did, uh, I think, three interviews or two interviews with the the team um on the broadcast yesterday which was an atrocious broadcast i don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it the announcers were absolutely terrible um and i did at the top of the show i forgot today's episode is brought to you by our friends at vic green realty um and specifically the Lions and Reynolds team at vic green realty so if you are looking for a house in southwestern ohio look no further than the Lions and Reynolds team at vic green realty okay um, I, I was really, I was thinking back just now to, um, an interview that Kobe Elvis did, uh, with the broadcast team that again was pretty terrible. And he said, you know, we're a young team and we're going to be here for a while. And what that tells me is that the team is now starting to recognize that if they all stick around, you know, if we can limit the amount of guys that are going to transfer out. And I still think that number is going to be two or three, but I think the team is now starting to get that identity where, Here's who we are. Here's the brand of basketball we want to play. And like I said, Elvis was like, we're going to be here for a while. And that's encouraging. I mean, I know people kind of said to me early on, hey, the team's young. And I was like, well, young or not, they shouldn't be losing three by games at home. And everybody was kind of quick to point out, well, this team is going to be here for a while if we can keep everybody on campus. And now we're kind of starting to see that all come to fruition, right? Um, all these guys should be with the team for three years. And I think that that's the most encouraging thing, or that's the thing that is injecting optimism into the fan base right now is that, all right, the team's finally starting to gel. These are the guys that are going to be here for four years, or I think in Holmes case, probably like two years uh, with the way that, that he's progressing. I mean, Holmes is, I said this uh, on last week's cast that he's the opposite of Obi Toppin, right? Like Obi came in with the offensive skills and then he kind of just had to start improving on the defensive end. Holmes is an elite defender in college basketball right out of the gate. And his offense, you said it, Drew, right? It's just slowly starting to get better game after game after game, right? Exactly. And you know what they this coaching staff has probably done with him is they probably sat him down and had him watch Obi run the floor because he runs the floor right. hard, yeah. right to the rim every time. Now, he doesn't get the ball every time, but that rim run – gives the defense something to think about. And that's when you can hit, you know, one of the Kobe's in transition for a three. Mally can get a little more deeper into the rim and either lay it up or dump it off to him. Uh, you know, I think Kamara has done a good job of kind of adjusting his game. He hasn't really changed, but he's adjusted his game to be a little bit more of a, of a mop-up man. He's a great trailer. 
He's got the athleticism to, you know, kind of throw down a putback dunk. So I think the evolution of Dayton's offense is starting to starting to change, and you're starting to see that because with Deron Holmes. Yeah, I agree. And as we look forward, I said that we're going to figure out in the next two weeks, let's say three weeks, because St. Louis is coming up in about uh, two weekends from now uh, on February 5th. We're going to find out by the time we go to St. Louis if this team is capable of winning the conference, because you got Bonaventure on Tuesday and our uh, great friend who used to run the Bonablog is coming up on the back half of the episode to preview the Bonaventure game. And then you have two games you should win at George Mason home against Fordham. And then it's Rhode Island, VCU and St. Louis, right? So these next six games, if the Flyers go five and one, I think they're a legitimate threat to win the conference. Um, if they go four and two, I think then we're, we're back to the top four discussion, right? Because that's always been the goal since we got into conference play. It's like the at-large discussion is done. Let's get into the top four. Let's give ourselves a chance to win the A-10 tournament. Winning four games in four days is tough. Winning three in three days, obviously, way more manageable. Um, so that's what I'm looking for right now. Like I said, I love that I can kind of look at that Davidson game and go, what if that's a winner-take-all game? But in the immediate... Um, these next six games are going to tell us what we need to know about this Flyers team. But we always say you have to start playing your best basketball going into February. And it sure does feel that way. Now, I, I, I do want to put a caveat on this. Again, we're not saying Duquesne's like a great team. But when you blow the doors off a team on the road in conference play, it doesn't matter who they are because you're usually going to get a competitive game in the A-10 for everybody this season except for probably George Washington. And that game wasn't competitive. It, you know, again, the Flyers weren't threatened. The game was never close. They came out hot. They stayed hot. And then the most encouraging thing, Drew, before we do turn the page, is that early on in the season, this is definitely something that can be attributed to youth, the Flyers really struggled to put people away. Um, the only two games they really did that were Alabama State and Northern Illinois. But now with George Washington and then Duquesne, the Flyers absolutely put their foot down and they ended the game when there was when they, you know, when they had control, they kept control. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, circling back to what you said, Duquesne led seven to four at the 17 minute mark of the first half. Dayton made it 11 to seven and they never trailed from there on. From there, it was it was all Dayton the rest of the way. So for 37 minutes of game action, Dayton pretty much wiped the floor. Yeah, yeah, it was great to see. Um, running down the the stats now, they're updated as of today, as of Sunday the 16th. Dayton's offense now 94th in the country, defense 75th. Uh, what they are best at on the Ken Palm sheet is, again, two-point percentage, 56% from two-point land. That's good enough for 16th in the country. Effective field goal percentage now at 54%. That's good enough for 34th in the country. So again, when the Flyers are taking shots, they're taking good shots, and they've been very efficient when shooting the ball. Three-point percentage is right at the national average, which is 33%. Um, if Kobe Elvis continues to shoot the way he does, that might creep up, but I don't really think that number is going to change all that much. I, we we kind of have an idea of what type of shooters are on this team, right? Um and then the other statistics that are in the top 50, offensive rebounding percentage on both ends of the floor. The Flyers are getting an offensive rebound on 33% of their possessions. That is good enough for 42nd in the country, and they are limiting offensive rebounds 47th best in the country. At that, that's 24% of possessions they are giving up an offensive rebound. Again, pretty good. I mean, we talked about this before, but the keys of the game, for the Flyers moving forward, Drew, I, I think they're quite obvious. They limit the turnovers. They win the turnover battle, right? You out-rebound and you shoot over 30%, 35% from three. The Flyers are going to win a lot of games in conference. Yep, and they hit all those benchmarks yesterday. Exactly. 53% uh, 50, from the floor, 44 from three. Won the turnover battle, 12-10. to 10, Won the rebounding battle, 35-24. There we go. Ass-kicking. You love to see it. Um, before we get to the back half of our segment, and nice little short show for you this week because we do have a quick turnaround Tuesday game against Bonaventure. That's at home, 7 o'clock game. And I do believe that'll even be on national television, I think, right? 
I think so. Yeah, 7 o'clock Eastern at uh, UD Arena. All right, Drew, play the music. I have some trivia for you. Uh, the trivia has to do with UD's domination against St. Bonaventure, and I didn't want to uh, to, to trouble our Bonaventure guest or, or make him sad uh, with this trivia. But in the 02-03 season, Dayton did not play St. Bonaventure. And since that time, they have played 23 games. How many games out of those 23 have the Flyers won against St. Bonaventure? Out of 23 games, it's they dating have won, all the way back to 2004. They have won 17. No, you're actually wrong. They've won 21 of 23 games. Wow. The Flyers are 21 and 2 against the Bonnies, again, dating all the way back to 2004. This has actually been one of the most lopsided matchups for Dayton in the A-10 conference since they joined in 1995. Um, and I'm sure you remember one of the games that they lost to Bonaventure. You know which one I'm, I'm hinting at specifically? Uh, yes, I know. I was in school at the time. I'd rather not revisit. <laughs> that home loss to Bonaventure uh, in 2016. Man, that was a bad one. Early game, I remember, on a Saturday. Um, but anyways, yeah, I had to bring that up. It was interesting trivia. It really has been super lopsided. So, uh, with that, we will take a short break. And then on the other side of the break, our old friend, Ian Nolan, the old Bonna blogger is uh, shaking off the rust coming out of retirement. And he's going to give us a quick preview for the flyers against the Bonnies again, coming up on Tuesday night. You're listening to Sully and Drew. This is talking out loud. Short break. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. And welcome back to the program. This is Talking Out Loud. You're listening. This is Sully and Drew. We're uh, recap the Duquesne game. We're going to turn the page because we do have a pretty big matchup on Tuesday, Drew. Uh, the Bonnies come to town. A favorable matchup for the Flyers, as we discussed in trivia. Flyers winners 21 of the last 23. And before we jumped on with our esteemed guests, I'm going to introduce here in a second. We're talking about how like certain programs just have the number of other programs. And this has been one of them. Like Dayton, for whatever reason, always beats St. Bonaventure. I don't think uh, if Bonaventure's won at Dayton, it's only been like once. Um, this is just one of those games we always win. But uh, Bonaventure going into the year here brought back the whole uh, the whole farm, right? And they kind of thought that, or we kind of thought as a, a league and as people that they were going to run over the league and they were going to win it all. And now drew, I, I think some skepticism is starting to creep in about how good the Bonaventure team is and how capable they are of winning it all. What would you say? Yeah, I think some skepticism has, you know, trickled in. Uh, they had the big long pause. So you never really know how a team's going to come back off of an extended pause like that, like they had, especially with their last game being against Virginia Tech when, you know, they got it handed to them. But they still have a, a whole lot of talent, Some one of the most experienced teams in the league. You know, we talk about experience a lot. You know, so these guys have seen it all. They've done it all. They played 45 minutes piece pretty much against LaSalle when they came back from that break, which was kind of just a wild box score to look at. But, but they're, you know, they're a legit team. You got to come ready to play. If we don't come ready to play – it's going to be two wins at Dayton uh, UD Arena for the Bonnies. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so to dissect the game and get everybody ready for it on Tuesday evening, uh, we brought one of our favorite old bloggers out of retirement. He is Ian Nolan, used to run the Bonna blog. And I think it's safe to say that uh, you retired that blogging life a, a while back. Did you not, Ian? Yeah, I think in earnest, probably about three years ago, uh, <laughs> gave, up, gave up the the Twitter handle maybe – uh a year ago or because you only existed was... on twitter at bonablog for what like three seasons then you're like effing them out yeah pretty much and i, I kind of came out of retirement uh only on twitter <laughs> uh last year to enjoy the good vibes of the uh the a uh the a10 tournament run and then you know heading into the ncas and 
got into some <laughs> some Twitter beefs online. Uh, as you, you all probably saw, I think we kind of made some headlines with A10 Twitter, kind of a nuclear war going off there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I just said, I just said, you know, just fuck it. Like, this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. So I just kind of logged off forever. <laughs> yeah, we have even uh, given up our blogging chops on BlackburnReview.com because we uh, couldn't really justify the time that it took to, to write all the articles. But I think for listeners, and like we talked about before we went on, but for listeners out there, there is like an arc of college basketball blogging and the guys that do it are generally like in college, in their 20s, like before they're married. And everybody kind of gets over this hill where they start to kind of, um, I guess, choose where they focus their efforts. And I mean, for you, like what was the tipping point where you're like, man, I, I just cannot commit to blogging about Bonaventure every <clears throat> game? Yeah, it was really, it really coincided with like the birth of our, our first child. Um, you know, she was born the night of Bonaventure's thrilling, like triple overtime win over uh, Davidson in 2016. So she was oh, born yeah, I remember at that a good time. The year we, we, we made the, uh, we made the tournament that year. I remember like my wife was in labor and I was actually still somehow watching the game. Um, but yeah, at that point that, that was really it. It was just, it was hard to, you know, just to keep up with the time commitment, you know, given having one child and now we have uh, basically a four-year-old and, and almost a two-year-old. So that's really difficult. And at that time, you know, it was 2016. I started the Bonner blog in 2008. Um, so, Jeez. you know, it had been a while. I mean, when I first started the Bonner blog and uh, really got my start with like college chalk talk, like way back in the day, like old school, I mean, we were oh, pretty yeah. much like the old, some of the only like really blogs around, like, you know, the, the landscape right now of A10 blogosphere, Twitter sphere, it's, you know, this is not how it looked in like 2009, 2010. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the blogging world had changed a lot in that time. And, you know, like I said to you guys previous to the podcast, I just felt like unless I could commit a hundred percent to doing it, which I just couldn't anymore, I was just, I was going to tap out. So, you know, shout out to everybody who can keep up that hard work. It's, it's an exhausting lifestyle. You know, a lot of times it's a, uh, you don't feel like you're getting a huge return on your investment when you see, you know, your web pages and your, your clicks for your podcast and things like that. So, I mean, it's a true labor of love and, um, you know, I wish that I still had the time to do it, but, um, you know, shout out again to, to everybody who does. And, you know, I think that's how it kind of works, right? It's like cyclical, like there'll, there'll be a new crew who will like come take over and other folks will phase out in different portions of their lives. Cause it's hard to keep up, man. It's an exhausting, <laughs> it's an exhausting uh, hobby, but it's more than a hobby young bucks will, will step up and uh and get into the blogging game and didn't you sure. um you, you kind of got tired because didn't the fan base kind of turn on you at a certain point as well i if i remember correctly right <laughs> yeah i mean that's I part of the game know. out here people think you yeah. hate the program you know yeah i definitely um you know had some run-ins and i think there was definitely a percentage of every fan base who thinks that you're you're too critical of the team and too too critical of the program or the players from my perspective i was you know i just felt like the the local media right like the quote-unquote like the olean times herald crowd like you know they're not going to be critical right like it's it's a small town they've got to keep good relations with the coaching staff with the players so they're, they're not going to say anything even remotely critical yeah. so for me i felt like i have no attachment right like i lived in philadelphia at the time then i moved to texas so I don't see these people like it's, it's easy for me to say like this player had a shit game or like I question <laughs> his coaching decision or this, the recruit, you know, I, I never, you know, crossed the line, you know what I mean? Like I never made yeah. it personal or, or anything like that. But um, I think in general, there's always, you know, that, that divide of fans in, in all walks of college sports, whether it's basketball or football, where there's, there's your fans who just want, just want the Kool-Aid, right. That's all they want to drink. That's yeah. all they want to hear. Right. And I think for, for readers of my website at the time. And, you know, the same as yours, like, that's not what you're there for. Like, I'm not there to, to just stir the Kool-Aid for them. Like I'm there yeah. to give real talk and some people liked it. And some people didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, we run up against that all the time. People are like, you guys, all the, all the time, <laughs> all the time, but, <laughs> but it, I, and that's yeah. the thing though. You, you pointed out how like it, we, it's never personal. We never cross the line. We're not like, no. you know, cursing these, these kids out, like for not playing, you know, God, you didn't play good against Richmond or whatever. You know, and that's the one thing you talk about, because like, there are people who do cross lines on Twitter and those people, you know, the people are assholes, but in yeah. that the world's chock full of them. But the one question I, I have for you, Ian, is like, how has, you know, you're retired from this life now? How has that kind of shifted 
the way you watch and, you know, take in say Bonaventure basketball. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, um, I don't, and I don't know if it's cause I have kids now. So like when I'm watching these games, I'm also, you know, feeding them mac and cheese and cooking and cleaning up the kitchen. The game's basically on mute because I have Coco Melon running in the background. Like, so for me, it's, it's, it's different. Like the, the wins mean less to me now and the losses also mean less. Like, yeah. and again, I don't know if that's just because, you know, kind of in dad mode all the time, generally when these games are on. So I'm not like so invested in like every shot and things like that. But I think it also just, you know, as you get older, like, you know, life kind of puts things in perspective for you. Um, yeah. So it, it uh, and I, you know, also you're, you're living and dying with the work, right? Like when you're a podcaster, when you're running a blog and you're spending 25, 35 hours a week on it and you're tweeting it, you know, it almost feels like that's, I don't want to say like you work for the program, but like you're really invested, right? Like you're deep sure. into that work. Like it feels like, like shit, like I'm a part of this. Like this is yeah. part of who I am. Like I spend so much time in this, like your investment level is through the roof. And so where I'm at now, when you can just come home and throw on a game for two and a half hours and like they win, they win, they lose, they lose. I mean, it, like I said, it makes the losses easier to handle because I don't feel like I've, you know, emotionally put so much into myself, into the game all week. I mean, I still have a, you know, tremendous amount of school pride and I want to see them do well. Don't get me wrong. Like I get agitated when they lose, but it's, it's not quite the same as, as when you're living and breathing with it, when you're um, running a blog and investing that kind of time, like I used to. Yeah. And that's, that's why I wanted to start there tonight, because I, I think we have this conversation on our show a lot. Like, you know, we're really blessed. Like our show is really successful. You know, we get it like a couple thousand listeners a week because people care about the program. And the thing I always laugh at is when people say like, Oh, you hate the program. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I oh, spend God. six hours a week on the podcast because I hate the program, you know? And um, yeah. it, it, it makes that, me that laugh. That used to drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah right? that used to drive me crazy because I used to get that all the time. Like he, he's a hater. He hates the program. Like, <laughs> but like at that time, like I could have made the point, you know, back before I, you know, retired, if you will, like that nobody had spent more time covering bottom inch basketball than me. Literally nobody. nobody. Like, absolutely nobody. not. Not one person walking the face of the earth. Like <laughs> I started, I started a website when the team was dog shit. Like when yeah. we were awful, like I watched every, yeah, two wins, seven wins, seven wins, seven wins. Like <laughs> I watched every game, game pre uh, game, you know, reviews, pre uh, you know, everything, right? Like yeah. when nobody gave a shit about the team, I was a manager there when we were two and 26, yeah. like they couldn't beg people to work for the team. I went to every <laughs> practice for nothing. So like when anybody would come at me and like question, like, my dedication to the team like that's kind of when i would kind of lose it a little bit because it's like, <laughs> yeah. like you have no idea you yeah, know it's e and, and i don't want to and i don't want to say like it's easy to like cover the team now but like compared to covering the team then when they stunk and when a good season was 15 wins 14 wins it was hard like, to watch on tv is, too you can watch yeah. every game now yeah all right oh my god i mean back then you i mean the idea that we could watch it on a computer is like a big deal. I'm like, Oh my God, we can watch a game on the computer now. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's crazy. Listen I mean, to the like, radio. Yeah. I mean, the fact that like, it's even on ESPN three, like, wow, I can watch it on my regular television now, like, <laughs> man. Like you said, just so, so much has changed about it. So again, yeah. like, you know, you put in that work, like you really care, like you care more than anybody knows. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like I said, that's why I want to start there tonight because we, uh, as people that, that cover the program, we always know what's going on with Dayton. And, um, you know, we, tr we try hard to have like a thoughtful conversation about just about every game. And you know, sometimes it's tough, like having thoughtful conversations about Dayton playing Duquesne and then going out and winning by 20 in a game that was like never competitive. It, it does get kind of difficult. Right. But we will digress for the sake of the show. And we do have to actually preview the game. Um, I did have you on to catch up, you know, because we haven't seen you on the Twitter streets in, in quite some time. Um, but again, uh, we're talking to Ian Nolan used to run the Bonner blog does not anymore. Um, and we got him on, uh, out of retirement to preview Dayton against Bonaventure on Tuesday. So what can you tell uh, Dayton fans about the Bonaventure team? I think the one glaring obvious thing is that you guys don't fucking use your bench at all, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. What can you tell Dayton fans about Bonaventure coming up on Tuesday? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, obviously it's the same team as last year, right? I mean, Bonaventure brings back all five starters. They're all seniors. They, you know, they play at a slower tempo. They definitely want to play a game in the in the low to mid sixties. Um, you know, they've, they've had games where they've scored more than that. You know, they put up 80 at LaSalle, they put 73 on VCU, but that's their, their game is generally to slow it down. They're not going to use their bench to any degree whatsoever. Um, I think the fan base is kind of like revving back into gear. Now, as you guys stated earlier, they had a 25 day pause after Virginia tech just completely annihilated them uh, down in Charlotte, which was, you know, in, in my opinion, I mean, like I said, I've watched, every game of the Mark Schmidt era, that was probably the most shocking ass kicking I've ever seen. Like they just did not come to play, did not compete. And that's we played Virginia not- tech too. I was stunned. Like we, we yeah. actually played like a pretty good game against Virginia tech and it was very competitive. So I was stunned to see that Bonaventure got the floor wiped. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time they no showed in a game like that. And that was a, you know, I don't want to say a must-win game, but I mean it pretty much was after they had lost to Connecticut. Um, you know, they're 10 and 3, and I think, you know, they're on the outside looking in by pretty much any uh, bubble forecast that you want to look at. So bottom next four fans, out last last I saw, they were next four out in Lenardi's, I think. Like yeah, last and, week. Um, you know, obviously this was basically the most hyped up season in the last 40 to 50 years. Uh it's their first ranking since the 70s. So I think even going into the year, there was a little bit of trepidation because this is not the normal Bonaventure season, right? Like Bonaventure and Schmidt, as long as the program is, you know, been under, um, you know, his guidance, we've thrived on being, you know, the hunter, not the hunted, right? Like yep. we're the team who people overlook and heading into the season. I, I think most of the fan base would have told you they were concerned about the ranking being in the top 25, you know, unanimous team to win the league. Um, so I think that a lot of those kind of fears have kind of come to fruition a little bit um, and, and we're not like totally surprised, but at the same time, I also think that there's a sect of fans who are overreacting a little bit to where they are. I mean, like they're 10 and three with one bad loss. I mean, like that's the reality. Um, this college basketball season has been super fluky. Um, as we know, yeah, they lost a bad, a bad home game to Northern Iowa, who I think is one five straight though. So they're, they're kind of turning it around. Um, and they lost on a neutral floor to Connecticut without Kyle Lofton, which like, okay. I mean, they lost, uh, 74, 64. It was a, it was a two or three possession game with about two minutes left. Sure. Um, and then Virginia tech obviously blew them out. I mean, so, you know, the resume, uh, isn't, you know, isn't where it needs to be to get in the end state tournament field, but at the same time, you know, it's not like they're 10 and three and they've lost to Loyola, Maryland and, and Siena. I mean, yeah. You know, to open up the season, they beat Boise State, Clemson, and Marquette. I mean, those are basically three top 50s, top 60 teams. So, um, you know, I would say to the league, if, if I'm a, a fan of the league as a whole, I would say, you know, buy stock on Bonaventure is kind of, you know, if you could buy stock, sell stock. I think that people are kind of probably sleeping on them just a little bit right now. Yep. And I think that they still have the ability to finish in the top two or three in this league and win the A-10 tournament. Um, I don't think that, you know, they should be head and shoulders favorites over, over a team like Davidson or, you know, or some of those other upper echelon teams. But I do think that some people are probably not giving them quite enough credit for the talent level that they have, but most importantly, the experience level that they have. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of went out and sent a message on Friday night with the, you know, a 20 point beat down of VCU. That's, you know, we talk about how, proud we were of Dayton for beating Duquesne by 20 on the road, <laughs> you know, beating, beating a team like VCU by 20 points, a, a very good defensive team, putting 73 points on the board. You know, that kind of felt like a little bit of a message from those, those seniors like, Hey, we're, we're still here. We're, we're still here. They're still game. They're still one of the better teams in the league. And that's why I think this matchup on Tuesday is very intriguing because Dayton and Bonaventure are kind of on the polar opposites of where they are as programs. Bonaventure is now in the final year of what many would say is the winningest class in school history, I would imagine. And Dayton is kind of ushering in a new era of stars that they want to build around for the next two to three, four years, however long they're there. And so I think that's why this game gives me an interesting, you know, forecast of, for lack of a better word, going into it. What's something like, do you, have you watched Dayton at all this year? What's a mat, maybe a matchup of a player on Bonaventure against a player on Dayton? Like, what are you just looking for on Tuesday night? Yeah, or how, how does Bonaventure pull this game out and win? Because, I mean, we know the short bench are going to play five guys, right? But what has been the formula for Bonaventure to win games and score? 
Yeah, so I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been watched. I haven't watched. Uh, we didn't bring you on season, for your dating expertise. I promise. Yeah, no, perfect. Sure. I, I was just throwing yeah. it out there. Well, the 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 recipe the recipe for Bonaventure this year is is a recipe that they should probably bag, which is getting down by about ten to fourteen points um, in the first half and having <laughs> to crawl their way back in every single game, yeah. which didn't happen in the VCU game, which was nice that they you know, kind of came out and just kept their heads above water for the first, you know, eight, 10 minutes. And then they actually started to pull away. I think they were up six or seven at the half. Um, so that game just felt different. It felt like, okay, like they didn't, you know, they weren't sleepwalking from the tip off, but that was the case when they played LaSalle and so many other games. I mean, uh, even like Buffalo, they had to rally big time to win. I mean, they've had to come back uh, from double digits on, on a number of their wins this season. Um, so the slow starts offensively are, have been a problem for them. Um, so if I'm Mark Schmidt, I want to make sure that, you know, we head into, you know, into the first or the second media timeout and we're just, you know, we're there from an offensive standpoint and it's still a close game. You know, if it's 12, 11, like that's fine. I think you want to really avoid kind of getting down big, especially in a place like Dayton. So, you know, if it's, you know, if they're down nine points at the half, you're not going to be feeling great about that. So finding a way to come out firing offensively. I think has been the challenge for them this season. Um, defensively has not been nearly the issue. Um, they're a top 40, 50 defensive team. They generally hold up their end of the bargain on that side of the floor. Yeah. Uh, but offensively, they've just kind of been in a little bit of a funk. I think there's been some, some shooting woes. Uh, like Dom Welsh is shooting really poorly from three this year. Uh, Holmes is not shooting as well as he had. And obviously Lofton was out for three games. And then when he came back, he, he, um, wasn't his normal self, at least in the, um, in the Virginia tech game. So yeah, offensively, I think I want to see them just kind of start to click a little bit more. Yeah. I, I just find it so fascinating that like Bonaventure has gotten to this point where they literally have five dudes and then they just don't play anybody else. Like that is the wildest thing to me. And so I had said going into this game that I think the formula for Dayton is get out and transition, run the floor as much as they possibly can play up tempo because, I mean, we have bodies like Dayton's not shy about playing nine or ten guys in a game. We prefer not to. Um, but, you know, when you have that kind of advantage, I think that's going to be the script to beat Bonaventure the rest of the year. Right. Is like you got to tire their guys out. You got to get them um, get them out in transition. And that's that's kind of been it. Right. So um, give uh, as, as we wrap up because we recorded on Zoom and it's giving me the old uh, you have 10 minutes thing. So uh, we wanted to make the episode. How many minutes do we have? Yeah, we, we got a couple of minutes. Um, we want to make the episode short yep. this week just because we have uh, two games this week. We'll have another episode after the Bonaventure game and then uh, heading into George Mason on Saturday. Is that right? True. George Mason's coming up on Saturday. I believe so. Yeah. George Mason. Um, so let's uh, let's do predictions. Uh, Drew, I'll start with you. What, what do you have for a prediction? I'll kick it over to Ian. <clears throat> Uh, prediction for me, I'm going to go 72-68 flyer victory, uh, but I think it's a close one throughout. I don't think either team leads uh, by double digits for more than five minutes of game time. I like it. Uh, Ian, I feel like you're too pragmatic to go and pick a, a Bonaventure win in their house of horrors, <laughs> which is UD Arena. So what, what say you? Um, you know, when I was running the blog, I definitely w- I think I would have predicted the loss but i'm i'm <laughs> in my fan mode now so i'm gonna try to keep the bonaventure good vibes going i do want to point out really quickly that your um your potential key to victory for dayton i think is spot on that's what connecticut did to bonaventure and you could really see it in the last four minutes of that game like bonaventure was gassed they just really used their bench cycled the bigs like really got up and down the floor and you could tell that bana's legs was really gone the last few minutes of the game so if you have a team that can really do that that that's the key to victory um and that's the big concern for me as a bona fan is i don't know how much time we have but you know last last season they did you know they obviously won the league and they they won the a10 tournament but it was a shortened season you yep. know, there was a lot more rest in between games. So I think that um, it, that really played to Bonaventure's lack of depth, like in point. a tremendous way that played into their hands. This season's going to be totally different, um, especially if the COVID pauses kind of stop and they have to just play two and three games a week. Like it's really going to wear on their legs. All of that said, um, I will try to be positive coming off a big win um, at VCU. Uh, I'll put Bonas down for a, a 70, uh, 66 win and, um, you know, hope that they can continue to boost that resume. 
Yeah, that's where Bonaventure's at right now. Um, 62 in Ken Palm, which typically is not going to get you in the tournament. So they do have some work to do on the resume, but they're very much not out of the at-large discussion. Again, game coming up Tuesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern at UD Arena. Uh, Dayton against Bonaventure. I honestly, like, got a bad feeling about this game. I kind of have um, all day and going into recording. Um, I, I think Dayton's kind of whole existence is predicated on defense. But I, again, I, I don't really have anything to back this up. I just have a bad feeling about the game from Dayton's standpoint. So I think the Flyers take a close loss, but I am with Drew. I think it's going to be a close game throughout. Um, and, and that's what I got for you. So let's finish up with some final thoughts and I'll take people out with a musical treat uh, to end the show. Uh, final thoughts from you, Drew. What do you got? I don't have a whole lot, uh, you know, big one coming up this week, as we have discussed, uh, and then we hit the road. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of the dog days of of college basketball season. We're getting into February. This is when you can really make or break your season. You get a lot of games and a lot of days, a lot of weeks, a lot of travel. So be interesting to see a quick turnaround. Hopefully uh, the Flyers show up. Yeah, hopefully I do. Uh, Ian, always great to have you on, man. It's been a, a really long time since we've got to chat about hoops, but uh, you are not exempt from final thoughts. What do you have for us? Yeah, uh, final thoughts are I see that you've got a Steelers shirt on there, so I wish you good luck. Um, <laughs> to your Steelers don't, don't, no, don't do that. <laughs> By the time the episode hits, yeah. the game's gonna be over. So I don't I don't want to put yeah. I didn't want to put the Steelers into this podcast. I don't want bad vibes out there. So I My, uh, break it from the record. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in a closet right now. I think when I left the um the Eagles are getting wiped by by the Bucks. It was Can't like a 17 point game. Yep. Um my, my final thought on that will be that um I feel the same way about Jalen Hurts. I think that Eagles fans feel about Daniel Jones, which is they want him to be the Giants quarterback forever. And I want Jalen Hurts to also be the Eagles quarterback for a long time. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm really excited. You guys brought me back on the pod and uh, you know what, if do we play each other again? I don't think so. Right. There's no. only one. I don't think so. I think year. we're one yeah. and done this year. One okay. Well, well, if we hook up again in the a 10 tournament, you'll have to give me a call. I'll uh, I will clear the schedule just for you guys. So yeah. thanks no, so much no. for having Appreciate me. You that. know, I'm a huge friend, friend of the program for sure. Oh, we know that, man. Yeah, we uh, we always like to extend a, a warm welcome to our, our fans of other programs. And uh, definitely, like I said, great to link up with you again. So that's our show for tonight. Again, Dayton Bonaventure, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. And then we will come back with a show, regularly scheduled programming. I believe we'll, we'll record on Wednesday night and then get you a show on Thursday. The GMU guys, the By George fellas, who we always have on the show every year, they'll be joining us to break down uh, UD against George Mason. That's coming up on Thursday. For Ian, for Drew, I'm Sully. Two rules, wear red, be loud. Catch you later.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.